Welcome to a random open mic where I just click record with someone in the room that I'm with and have them just talk and flow and talk and flow. I kind of interview them, but I don't. Anyways, a new episode or series that I'm trying out called Open Mic. I hope you enjoy this first open mic secret recording of my buddy Dustin Pym. And there are people who are better at marketing their and selling themselves than me. He's like, he's like, they're definitely better. He's like, but I'm good. I'm really good at all three of those. And because I'm really good at all three of those, that's why my cartoon had success with and the cartoon was like uh I can't remember what cartoon it was, but so the the good, really good at, but not the best at multiple things makes him find success, uh, right? Like if you like, for example, all you were really, really good at was coaching, right? But you were the best coach in the world, like top three percent. You're gonna have success, mm-hmm. right? But let's say you're the best coach, and you're also like um, an amazing like artist. And, and like, or like a very good artist. And you're also like a very good, um, athlete. You're going to have more likelihood of even more success than the one than just, just having the one, right? Like being really good at a few things is going to set you apart as opposed to being really good at just one. Does that make sense? I'm just trying to think of it like the sum of it where like, if you're really good at three things, does the sum of that make you really, really the best at that thing that you decide to choose? Again, I don't think it makes you the best at that thing because that thing could be multiple things. Mm-hmm. But because you have a more diversified skill set, mm-hmm. it's gonna help you find the angle that you can work, right? Like this guy, he's like, I'm not the funniest. He's like, my art's not great and I'm not good at my selling myself, but I'm pretty good at selling myself. My art's okay. And I'm pretty funny. There's not a lot of people that are good at all three of those, yeah, right? Like but that becomes the best at that. But that's a you but like, and but for sure. But but that's not one thing, right? That's mm-hmm. I'm really good at three things mm-hmm. or whatever, mm-hmm. you know. And I think what some of the like the people in life who are awesome, they're always really strong at a few things, right? They're not just really good at one thing, like, who? like you. Right. Like you're an amazing mover. Mm -hmm. You're a, you're like an entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. You're an artist Mm -hmm. and you are like somebody who wants to have people grow. You're a a cultivator. Yeah. Right. So are you the best at all of those things? There's better athletes than you. For sure. Right. There are better artists than you. There's probably people who like, you know, Anthony Robbins is probably a better cultivator than you are, but but you're really good at all these things. So you've been able to find a really unique niche, mm-hmm. right? As an entrepreneur, that's like building some unique stuff. Yeah. You get where I'm going with this? Totally. Right? And also, I think part of the recognition is also not wanting to be the best. Like recognizing that Tony Robbins is fucking way better than me at coaching and, and motivating people. But me striving to do that and do what he's doing, like takes away from my ability to be an artist, to be an entrepreneur and, do the other totally like, rad things that yeah do. like you you watched um that bulls documentary the jordan documentary right he's like yeah, and he's like crying he's like 
there's a price you pay to be the best at that thing. Right. And he's like, Jordan said that. Yeah. He's like crying. It was like episode six. And he's like, he's really? like, he's like, yeah, man. Oh, shit. He's like, he's like, there's a price you pay. Like sacrifice kind of thing. Yeah. Like his family, mm, like, uh, like, and especially the way he led his teams, mm -hmm. he may have alienated a lot of relationships, 100%. right? Like Scotty Pippen, his best teammate on the court, like they have animosity behind right, the scenes. Other, yeah. Oh, Scotty like lit him up. He like, he, Scotty's like doing his own documentary now to, right. to like make Scotty look like a better, whatever. Right. Even though I thought Jordan's was like very well done, mm -hmm. but like, like that's what happens right? yeah. when you're trying to be the best. Like sometimes if you're too laser focused, that's something a little different than being the best, right? Mm -hmm. Jordan was the best basketball player, he was the goat. Yeah. but was he the best at making his teammates was better? He, or was he the best father? Was he the best? Exactly. Sibling? Yeah. Was he the best entrepreneur? Was yeah. He the, like you can't, you, that's maybe why he's, you know, shedding a little, little bit of tears or, or maybe, sure. maybe, I don't know what that would feel like. But for sure, the Zach Price. Right, like I can think of nobody in my life that I know that is the the best at the thing they do, because those people are typically very famous in the world yeah. and like globally known, mm -hmm. and like or whatever. Right? Like Elon Musk is one of the best innovative minds on the planet. Mm -hmm. I'm never gonna. I'm probably never gonna beat Elon Musk. But like, no one would argue that statement that he's. Yeah. But he probably is alienated and lost in many other facets of life. He spent all of that and put it all there, right? That's what that seems like the, the law of the universe kind of thing. You know, the, if you want to be the best at one specific thing, you're going to miss out on a lot of other stuff. Totally. Like, you only have so many resources. You, I, I was just reading it in this uh, book, New Rules Rules. It's about Netflix. It's a great book. You should read that one, by the way. New Rules Rules. New, uh, no, it's No Rules Rules. So like no rules, comma rules. Like rules. Or like, like it rules. It rules. It like new no rules is what rules. Oh okay, yeah. And it like the whole book is about Netflix culture. It's just like like they're very different than most big mega companies. And they're like, uh, how do I get on this? Oh yeah, but they're like, imagine in whatever you're doing, you have like a certain stack of chips. And that stack of chips, you only have so many you can bet. Where are you gonna put your bets? Right? Are you going to put all your bets in this one thing? Right? And if that goes well, well, awesome. But then you have nothing else. Right? Yes, you have this one thing that's amazing, but you have nothing else. And there, again, that's like a Jordan, right? Mm -hmm. Or I think what most human beings do is they probably like spread it around to many, many things, right? It's almost a safety thing. Yeah. And that's like, a, I mean, I, if I was in this, the mind of a Jordan and knowing that I can, my potential is to be the best at one thing, just this in my mind, the sacrifice that I would have to make to say, you know, like, fuck it, I'm putting it all my chips in this one thing, like ultra marathon running. Like, I know that I have the potential to be really, really good, like a phenom. Right. But I'm too scared to do that. Like, I feel like I like so many other things mm -hmm. that either bring me security or bring me more uh, zest for life yeah. than to just do that one thing. Yeah. And people have said, in my races after i won my races like you are you have potential man there's a little bit of coaching um maybe more dedication and having to let go of the other things you could make it you could really go pro and i was like what are you kidding me i don't want to hear that but at the same time i know that is my passion my heart there 
no. So that automatically puts me in this. Totally. It um, compromise, it's a compromise situation immediately. But like they always say that people who are the best of the best or whatever they're, they're, they're a bit, crazy. they're loonies, right? Like they're, <laughs> they have, there's something in them that's just like, no, nope, this is the way. Yeah. And then, but the fact that they can go, I'm going to give up all this. Yeah. I'm going to give up all these other things because this one matters most. Some of them, I don't think they're even aware that they're losing out on that stuff until right. after. Right. Yeah. I wonder about the awareness level. Like is Jordan thinking, oh shit, if I take this, you know, basketball career, maybe that's going to mean I'm going to lose baseball. I feel like he went through that. No. Why? I mean, I'm not in his head, but I, I think just what happened with basketball was he just, he needed a break. Oh, cause like funny. it was just kicking his ass. Right. The media was kicking his ass. Right. Like, right. You know, he'd won three years in a row and it's hard to stay on top. Right. I was uh, listening to a podcast, um, with, uh, uh Bradley Cooper, uh. uh, interviewed by Dax Shepard, mm. armchair expert. And Dax is complimenting Bradley about how diversified he is and how amazing he is at all these verticals of skills. You know, you talk to him, he's a singer. He's an amazing, brilliant actor. You can't pigeonhole him. You can't typecast him right now. Um, he's also a fully fluent French speaking oh, person. Know. Yep. And he also is a designer. He interior designs. Hmm. That's cool. Are, Plus he's producing movies. He's producing yeah, movies. Yeah. So the, the skills are just wide ranging yeah, yeah. and Dax is, he expresses his vulnerable relationship in that they used to mirror each other. They grew up in the world of celebrity together. And then when Bradley just hit next level after hangover and then some other dramas, Dax felt really insecure. He felt like he was being left behind. And it was on this podcast that he revealed this to Bradley. And Bradley was just like, oh, man, feeling, you can hear in his voice that it wasn't obviously his intention because mm -hmm. they're best buddies, but he finally understood what it felt like and on Dax's side. And that bond was like super cool to see that they revealed literally their next, another layer to their mm. relationship. But it's like, just being in the in this in the in the eyes and the feeling of Bradley Cooper, um, he looks the way that Dax looks at him is the way he looks at a Brad Pitt, for example, or a Daniel Day Lewis, or the other actors like I don't know De Niro. He admires them because they also stand above mm -hmm. in so many other ways, and in the acting world, he's like, oh, I can never be like that the the best. And when he gets to speak to them, that's when he really, like it all snaps in together. It mm -hmm. makes sense. Mm -hmm. It's so cool. The way that we admire, the way that we aspire. It's so amazing. And that's called that. Armchair Expert? Armchair Dax, is, that's mm -hmm. his uh, yeah. podcast. Yeah. yeah, I'm so into Dissect that I just like don't go anywhere. Oh, you're still, you're listening to which one are you listening to? All, like, I, I, like I'll go back and listen to old ones. I just find it so soothing. Yeah. Yeah, I should go back into that too. That's what I was listening to when I was in Costa Rica. Yeah, yeah. So I I, the, I got exposed to it probably two years ago, that that podcast. Dissection. Yeah, and then like I just like it, it drives me nuts. Like because I, I love that. What was your favorite one? Well, the beautiful mind is dark twisted fantasy is crazy. Yes. The other one that's really really good is he does one for Dam and To Pimp a Butterfly, and those are both really good. Mm -hmm. um, the one on. Uh, Tyler the Creator's Flower Boy is amazing. Mm. It's it's that one that one's crazy. 
can't quite figure out how to create it. Like, really think about his genius. Like, what do you... Like, oh, he's out there. Right? I don't, I don't really like out. a lot of his music, but Flower Boy, I think, is an amazing album. I think that album is like, that will be his magnum opus. What does he represent? So, well, he's like, he's a, he's a rapper who I think is bisexual. I think, I think he's definitely come out and said like, I'm gay, but he has dated women, whether he's one or the other. Like, that's a very interesting world mm-hmm. to be, to be that in, right? Like in the world of rap and in hip hop, gay is frowned upon mm-hmm. and made fun of and and for him to like openly come out and say that is like a pretty crazy thing. Mm. But I think with that, he probably is on one side tries to be hyper-masculinized. Mm. So that's why he's like, I'm a fucking walking paradox. And you're like, blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. And then the other side of him is like this like artsy creative person that loves melody and wants to sing. Oh. And I think it's hard for him to find it. But he's figuring out that balance now. But, um, but yeah. I was pumped when Odd Future was out. See, I didn't like any of their stuff. I thought it was more art than it was rap. But it was more for me it was too progressive. Yeah. It was just like and just some of the stuff that they were like rapping about when I was like, ah, this like it's very odd. Right. It was one of those things where I didn't pay attention that much to, you know, the music, the lyrics, just what they represented. Yeah. yeah. That's what I enjoyed. Oh no, yeah, like I think they are a, a unique pocket of culture and they've probably they've obviously done something to move music forward, but but Tyler's the brain engine of most of that. And, you know, like Earl Sweatshirt or something, yeah. But like that Flower Boy album is crazy. Like the first time I heard it, I was like, this is different. It's really, it's good. So like Andre 3000 kind of? More different. More. Oh yeah. Because like Andre is, so but Andre's still very pop. Yeah. At his, at his core, Andre has a lot of pop sensibilities. Mm-hmm. While like Tyler is less, less pop mm. flower boy has more moments of poppiness mm. but like it's it's a, it's also like like my beautiful directors at fantasy is is a story mm. like the album is a concept album and it and it doesn't initially present itself that way when you first listen to it you're like oh this is cool a guy's going on like a drive yeah okay and then you're like wait like this whole thing is him driving and going into this garden shed which is actually the garden shed is him coming out of the closet Oh, what? That's why. But it's like crazy. It's very, it's crazy. It's really crazy. Yeah. That's cool. But that podcast, that one's really good. Um, I'm doing the one right now. And like, like I listen to every season. Some of them are lame, like the the Frank Ocean one. That, another one that was really good was Because of the Internet by uh, Chandler Stampino. That, that was actually unreal. I think the timing of when these albums are put out too. Yeah, make a lot of well, like, waves. I'm a huge fan of music, so I've I know all of the albums pretty well. I didn't listen to the Lemonade one because I don't care for Beyonce, and uh, uh, I think my wife likes her a lot. And I think my problem with Beyonce is that I don't love the music all the time. Like it doesn't like I'm not like oh yo this is really like appealing to me. Like you know just like oh this bowl of ramen is really good, but I love this one. Do you know what I mean? Like so like I can appreciate that it's good, but like. This is what I'm listening to, and like Beyonce is the same. Like I'm like, yeah, this is good, but I'm not listening mm-hmm. to it. And I also think that when I listen to music, I'm always trying to find where I fit in to the music. I'm always trying to find my personal connection to the music. Mm-hmm. And there's just something about Beyonce that I just I have a really hard time connecting with. Um, 
black woman, women power, like all that kind of stuff. And I'm like, I get it. It's amazing. And like, I think it's awesome, but I just have a harder time, like really market for it. Yeah. Like when I first heard to pimp a butterfly, that album, the first 10 listens I gave it, I was like, do I not like this? Or is it hard for me to listen to because the music's really jarring and like jazzy and like experimental? Or do I not like it because I don't understand? Don't it. Yeah, like because I don't get the black experience mm -hmm. in America. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, I sat down and talked with my buddy at length. Um, I've even talked to Perez like here a few times just about like music and being black and that kind of stuff. And it's, it's opened my perspective a lot more because I'm a white dude that loves hip hop. Like I love it. And a lot of it I've always kind of connected to because not because they're black, but because most of the time it's like lower income housing, yeah. people struggling Single. and then finding this way to like celebrate the small moments and then taking that and growing from that. Yeah. And like, you know, and story is yeah. And my stories are very similar to that. So I'm like, yo, like I'm down with this, but ultimately that's actually what to pimp a butterfly is about, mm -hmm. but just on a very, sociopolitical American landscape yeah. context, which was, it was hard for me to take. Um, and like, you know, like that song black at the berry, for example, the whole song he's talking about, like how black he is and how his nose looks. And I'm like, yo, I get that, but I don't, you know, like I can, I can be like, yo, like I understand what that's like, but I'll never truly understand what that's like. Right. Like, like me being a white guy, being a small white guy growing up in a trailer park with like a strange family. Yeah, like I had some challenges, mm -hmm. but like if I was black on top of that, mm -hmm. it'd be like exponentially more challenging. Mm -hmm. And I can go, I can get that, but I, I'll never really understand yeah, that. True. Right? True. But then in the song, he's like, yeah, blah, blah, blah. And at the end of the song, he's like, and then something, something make, make me kill a N word blacker than me, hypocrite. That's what he yells at him. Cause like, that's what they're doing. They're, right. they're killing themselves right, right, right. because there's nothing else to do. Honestly, it's, it's crazy. But like, I could talk music all day. Have you been recording this? Yeah. Hilarious. Yeah. Um, Raw and uncut with Dustin Pitt. Yeah. Yeah. With Dustin's life. But like, you love music. Do you feel like you have like a deep, like I feel rooted in it. Like, mm -hmm. like when I start, when I talk about hip hop with people, I think most people see that I'm like, yeah. like, no, it. like it's, like I, I said for a long time, like it raised me. Yes. Like it was like one of my parents. Right. You know? And without it, I'd be like, whoa, I don't know. Mm -hmm. And especially when I was young, around all my my peers, they all listened to like alternative hip rock music. So like the time Nirvana, Soundgarden, that kind of stuff. And then they were a bunch of them listened to like West Coast hip hop. So like Ice Cube, Dr. Dre, Snoop Dogg. And while they were all listening to that, I was listening to Tropical Quest and De La Soul. And no one I knew listened to that. Wow. Nobody. But I was like, yo, this is like, there's, they have similar experiences to me, but they're, they're, they're approaching it differently. Right. Yeah, they're not like, hey, you know what? Like, life was kind of sucky when I was young. So you know what I should do? I should fight people. Yeah. You know what I should do? I should be F the police. Because mm -hmm. like, no, because like, like, I don't know if that's the right message. Yeah. Well, what if it's like, Spread love, mm -hmm. you know, find the joy in the little things. Yeah. Like, you know, it was, that, it was that kind of stuff. And I was like, yeah, okay. And that made more sense to me, right? That resonated. Yeah. 
Look, De La Soul has an album called De La Soul is Dead, and the album cover is like a busted flower pot, but the plant is like growing out of it, and it's still like thriving. And I'm like, yo, like that's that imaging makes sense to me. Like I lived in a busted flower pot my whole life, but that doesn't mean I can't thrive, right? As opposed to you know, album guns. Or like, yeah, or like a dog sitting on top of his doghouse with two like female dogs and a joint sticking out of his mouth. I'm like, what is this weird cartoon trying to say? That like I should be chasing bitches and doing drugs? I'm like, I get why that's appealing to some people, but like it just didn't, it didn't speak to my, my sensibilities at the time, right? Don't get me wrong, I listen to some thuggy stuff too Mm -hmm. because I was angry, and that helps, right? There's that catharsis, yeah, yeah. Well, music has obviously influenced um, your life huge. It's raised you. I don't know if I have the same relationship with music. But you love music. You do. I love music for sure. I think maybe as a kid, uh, I've had fond memories with radio and Sunday mornings listening um, to soul and, and R&B and jazz. Because my parents just played their, this mm-hmm. channel every morning on Sundays when we had breakfast. It was it's amazing, time. though. So those, I have like vivid moments with that. But my thing was with piano, you know, being raised. Because you played. To do, yeah, yeah. To do Royal Conservatory, strict classical piano, rote learning, memorize piano lessons. You know, after you go to school, then you come back, you do Chinese school, you do your homework, and then you have to practice piano on top of that for an hour straight you're like exhausted and you just don't want to do it you're tired your mood is not fully there so when you screw up mom hears it she's like that was wrong play again <laughs> i'm like what? What? i'm supposed to make mistakes so my relationship with music was a little bit off there but that's what helped me i guess discover all different other styles but only that but then you probably have a different appreciation for what you like right because you're like oh man music is work Music is this thing, but then when you get to choose your own path with it, you're like, this is what I like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I never played piano. No. That was not something. To be honest, music didn't get played in my house very much. Oh. It was played in the car. And I think, like, for me, that was that was probably one of the reasons why when I first really started getting into music, it was so amazing to me. Because, mm-hmm. like, it wasn't being played in my home. Mm-hmm. You know, we didn't have a stereo in my house. Right. Right? Like if there was music playing, actually, my, a lot of my first memories of music are much music, oh. like watching a music video, Something like, like, like watching Michael Jackson. I'm like, what the hell is this? <laughs> you know, or watching like a, like, I always remember Buster Rhymes had his first like solo single, Wuha, uh, which came out back in like 94. And I remember sitting in my house, maybe 95. And I'm in my house at the time, we moved from our trailer into like a, a house when I was in high school and I remember just it was on TV and this video came on and he was like waving his hands at the lens and he was like Whoa! but I was like this energy I was like this is me like this is like me at a party like this is me playing defense in basketball and I was like ah! I remember jumping around my basement jumping off the couch and I was like this video is life I remember my dad used to videotape much music for me put on like VHS cassettes and then I'd sit and watch like the two hours that he recorded because we didn't have cable when I was little. And I remember seeing like a Marky Mark and the Funky Bunch video for, um, you know, Good Vibrations. And I was like, I was like, what the hell? Like, and I was just like, 
watching the guys dance. I'm like, I need to do this. I need to do all these things. And like just everything about it was like, this is this is it. Did your dad partake in it? My dad played music in the car, didn't really play music at home. He had an apartment when I was growing up. And, uh, but like, I didn't realize like how much music mattered to my parents until like, I remember being at a wedding and seeing my dad dance at the wedding. And my dad was like, good. Huh? He was like James Browning the shit out of that dance oh, floor. Wow. And I was like, what? Yeah. But, and that didn't happen until I was like 19. Oh. I was like, no wonder I have it. You know, and my mom, like, if a song came on that was in the car, she'd be like, she would dance in the car, had like a bop and like she had a, had rhythm, yes. but they appreciated totally, totally. And yeah. like, but it just never played in the house. Right. Yeah. When you think of, when you say, well, how rap hip hop raised you, um, I would say the Beatles raised me. They raised a lot of people. Yeah. Yeah. But, the, but here's the thing with the Beatles. Like, are there lessons that you learned from their music? And I think that they're all that a lot of their music is like that, right? It is like, let there be love. And I want to hold your, like, you know, so many things, right? But <clears throat> a lot of that John Lennon stuff, especially, right? But how about now with you and music? Are you, I mean, because you're a dancer yeah. and your relationship with music is so um, micro and it's so visceral, do, do you see your evolution with how music has evolved throughout? years that you were it's interesting i i still like what i like i like there's that dua lipa elton john song right now that's on the radio and i'm like yo this song this has got a great groove and it makes me want to dance and then heart. yeah yeah that's it the cold heart yeah but like and i love that and then i i think i think the biggest thing right now is i'm maybe actually a little pickier when it comes to what they're saying okay i think when i was younger i was a little bit more like Oh, yo, I'm down with whatever. Like, you got a message? I'm listening. You know, you know. I said I didn't listen to Snoop Dogg and Ice Cube. There was times that I did, right? But when I was on my own, I was listening to these other artists. But like now, especially when it comes to like new rap, I'm just like, yeah, I have a hard time relating to your like emo, sad life thing. But like, they're not coming from like a hard place. They're just like, yo, I'm in my middle school. You know, and I, and I grew up in a nice neighborhood, but I'm sad, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do drugs. Mm-hmm. I'm like, yeah, I guess, but I just have a harder time connecting with that, right? right? Like, lyrically. And, like, I think the beats are dope. I think the music still sounds cool. Um, I think, I think the, especially, again, coming from hip-hop, I just think, like, the, the delivery is different now. Yeah. And it's, it's just, I don't know, it's just changed. It just changed. But, like, that, you hear that all the time. Old heads, they always say, oh, the new music you listen to is crap. You know, it's whatever. You know, and like your parents would probably listen to something we listen to now. And they're like, oh, this isn't what I like, you know, but I can listen to new music and I can appreciate lots of it yeah. and I can actually dig it. But I don't know if I'm going to take it home and listen to it on my own. Mm-hmm. What do you listen to right now? What's like something new that you like? Um, well, Coldplay is that their album. I've always liked Coldplay for sure. That's another group that has changed and evolved over time and i really felt the 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 collective love and uniting as earthlings message to be really really powerful Mm -hmm. um i guess right now music that drives me is is stuff that's that's like not not so much depth 
in regards to mm. lyrics, mm. but more into soundscapes. So, you know, like ambient music, but hearing how some DJs or producers bring in nature into it and how you it's hard to now differentiate between what sounds natural and what doesn't sound natural. Right. Um, I've always been into movie scores. Right. And that's been fascinating to me because I'm a very visual guy. So when I hear music, um, I want to be taken to and transported to the world that they're painting for me through audio. Pharrell calls that seeing sounds. Seeing sounds. Like Pharrell Williams, like, yeah. you know, of the Neptunes, like yeah, the famous yeah, yeah. producer. Like he, he talks about that on one of his albums. He's like, right. it's seeing sounds. Like yes. he's like, I don't actually see music or hear music. He's like, he's like. I see pictures, but the pictures are music, which yeah. is crazy. Yeah, yeah. But so I, I totally feel that. Yeah, yeah. For sure. Yeah, I can escape it, to that. I, I, I kind of dig that idea, like soundscapes. I listen to a lot more non-vocalized music now than ever, because I think that it can set a mood, and then I can kind of choose to fill in the gaps how I want. Mm -hmm. While I find if a song has lyrical content sometimes that lyrical content can push in a direction that maybe is counterintuitive from where I wanted it to go. Mm -hmm. But yeah, like um, multi-instrumentalists like Bonobo or FKJ mm -hmm. or you can say like, like a Pharrell, right? He's a multi-instrumentalist. You can just jump into a, like, you know, a, a room full of instruments, play anything. Yeah. And so whatever they create, whatever their minds go towards, I'm so fascinated with that. And I'm pulled in, to see what stuff they pull in from the mm -hmm. instruments and how they make that interplay with something else. Mm -hmm. So that harmony of music, how they layer on, how they loop, that kind of stuff. I'm, I'm really into, into that. There's an amazing guy on YouTube named Mark Ribier. It's called Ribolette. And he's like this crazy eccentric dude. And all he has is like a loop station, a keyboard, and some drums. Mm -hmm. At the end of this, we'll... But anyway, it's crazy. He improvises everything from the moment he starts recording to whatever. Mm. It's wild. You should check that out. Mm. Listeners, you should check that out. That was a uh, raw and uncut with Dustin Penn.